Welcome to Micromobility, a podcast exploring the disruptive potential of lightweight utility vehicles. Using the history of computing as a framework, we examine how these technologies will upend everything we thought we knew about the future of urban transport. The host of the show is Horace Deju, founder of Asimco.com, and I'm his co-host, Oliver Bruce. Hey team, Oliver here. This week I interviewed Derek Dorostein from Damon Motorcycles, who previously worked at Boosted and was also the CTO of Alter Motorbikes, one of the first electric motorbike manufacturers globally. It's a whistle-stop tour of the electric motorbike space, including why it's so hard, what we've collectively learned, and his predictions on the space. It's a great conversation with someone who's been in the area and thinking about this for a long time. In terms of news, last year the US imported about 270,000 e-bikes. This year, the total is expected to end up somewhere between five and 600,000. And no company sells more e-bikes than Seattle's RAD, which according to a new profile in Bloomberg, has noticed a change in the average overall user profile during the pandemic. Early customers were mostly suburban dudes in their 50s, 60s, and 70s. It really was baby boomer after baby boomer, says Mike Rudenbar. But as sales have grown, so did RAD's ad budget. And the company now spends in a day running ads on Facebook, Instagram, and Google or what it used to spend in a month. As a result, the customer base has since broadened to include more of the young city dwellers that they had envisioned originally. It's a great profile and I highly encourage you to go check it out. In Europe, the subscription e-bike service Dance has raised $17.7 million in a Series A round led by HV Holtzbrink Ventures. The Berlin-based company intends to expand across Europe and eventually the US. The founders of the company were the original founders of SoundCloud, and the subscription model includes a fully assembled e-bike delivered to the subscriber door within 24 hours. This comes with maintenance, theft replacement insurance, a dedicated smartphone app, concierge services, GPS, and unlocking capabilities. I'm excited to hear more about this in the future, and hopefully have them on the podcast. Thanks. Also, to those who have reached out about my health, I do want to let you know that I am doing okay. (laughs) I'm definitely on the mend. Uh, I do love hearing from you all, though, so please do send me a message anytime. And with that, here's Derek. All right, and welcome back to Micromobility. We have with us today Derek. Uh, How are you today, Derek? I'm very well, thanks, Oliver. Really happy to be here. Oh well, I, okay. So I was really excited to uh, to get your message, which you uh, you had sent in, and uh, mainly because you know I, I've I've long heard about the stories of uh, Alter and and uh, and and also I hadn't heard of Damon, um, and I'm really excited to unpack that a bit today. Um, but yeah, you just you're, you're someone who's been around the industry for a long time, and and in these areas that we haven't really covered on the podcast yet. And so I'm really excited to have a chance to sit down with you and just sort of uh, talk through your story. And so I thought maybe what would be useful for the audience is just you know take us through. Where, who are you? Where are you from? You know, where, uh, where did you grow up? What did you do? And then um, and then how did you get involved in micromobility? Okay, um, so I'm a I'm a Bay Area boy. Um, uh, I. I was born into a family that were motorcycle fanatics. Um, my, uh, both my grandfathers were motorcycle racers. Uh, my father was a racer and my, my uncle was a, uh, a well-known professional racer from Northern California who won multiple national championships and is a member of the, of the American Motorcycle Association Hall of Fame. So I, you know, that was my, um, that was my world, right? This, these going to the races and, and knowing all of these um, these characters that, that make up that, that sort of a community. And, 
and when I turned 16, it, it wasn't a surprise to anybody that I I got serious about it and, and also became a professional motorcycle racer. And I did that for uh, for five years, um, some overlap with, with college. Um, and, yeah. and at some point, I, I sort of had to decide what I was going to focus on. And it it um, you know I wasn't 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 as good good I wasn't good enough to be a champ so I, I focused on uh, on college. <laughs> yep. Yep. And um, and after college, um, I uh, I I founded a small business, um, uh, a machine shop, where I would do consulting, engineering work, and build stuff for people. And I ran that in San Francisco for uh, for about twenty years, um, and it was. Uh, uh, it was an incredible experience. The, the company grew to about 12 people. Um, we worked on a, on a whole bunch of different things, um, things with Silicon Valley companies, Intel, um, uh, Logitech, uh, really interesting projects. Um, some things that, that you know, were for, for billionaires, um, some things around um, motorcycles here and there. Um, and I, yep. I, I, of course, I stayed involved in motorcycles, collect old bikes, ro- ride dirt bikes, ride street bikes, did a little more racing, you know, sort of at a pro-am level um, yeah, through, through all those years. And, um, and really, at, 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 uh, in 2007, 2008, I, I was, was listening to the, uh, or reading, actually, at the time, the, the Tesla blog. And and, yeah. and this is you know before any car had ever driven. This is like really early days, and and this is Martin Eberhard um, writing on the Tesla blog about you know his ideas about you know how um, how this revolution can happen in, in in transportation, and we can we can have electric vehicles, and and that got me thinking. Gee, if if um, you know if this is going to happen to automobiles, if you know finally the the energy density is there in, in lithium-ion batteries, and this is now possible, it's going to happen in motorcycles too. Um, so I started um, looking at the available tech in motorcycles, really as a nights and weekends sort of you know just fascination level thing. This is 2007, really, and um, and it, at a certain point. Um, I thought, gee, this this really could be possible. I, I built some, you know, spreadsheet models and and thought, you know, maybe we could we could do a small motorcycle and it would be, um, you know, a comparable, you know, power as a as an ICE bike. Um, and and then I, I, I you know I realized that if that was going to happen, I needed some help, and so I, I enlisted uh, Jeff Sand, uh, who's a one of my riding buddies. Uh, uh, well-known industrial designer in San Francisco, and and we started getting serious about it as a as a potential business. And um, as the deeper I got into the details, I realized that we we really couldn't buy anything off the shelf to build any of this really. Right? We thought we thought we might you know get a um, a motorcycle chassis you know the the everything but the motor from from one of the existing manufacturers, and then we might just slap a drivetrain in it and, and we'd have a product. Um, and, and that proved to be um, really a, a dead end. Um, the, the, you know, we needed a lot more space for battery than, than was afforded in a, in a traditional chassis. Um, and we couldn't, we couldn't even buy an electric motor that would, that would meet our requirements. Uh, we certainly couldn't um, buy a battery pack that met our requirements. Even an, an inverter um, was, was, was tough. And so, um, you know, which means that the, the product or the, the project was kind of exponentially growing in scope, 
because we're yeah. taking on all these really difficult verticals in in the technology. Um, and we we also figured, wow, this is this is you know it's even more exciting um, because my spreadsheet models had had be had become more uh, sophisticated, more complete. And and the the opportunity, the vehicle opportunity was was becoming really clear. We built a little business plan, and we thought, you know, we could we can do a we can do a business. It was it was making sense, but we we realized we really needed some more help. So we started snooping around and and through our friends network, and we were introduced to um, Mark Finnigstein, who was the third founder at Alta. He was a former BCG consultant. He was working at Frog Design, doing consulting at the time. And, yeah, and, cool. <laughs> and, and and he showed up um, really convinced that that um, you know he he was going to sh- tell us why this was a terrible idea, and and he likes to tell the story of how he came in and I showed him my spreadsheet models of the performance and the acceleration and the range and and our our you know CAD models and our estimations of bomb costs and mass and and all of this stuff and and. He, he he thought it was a great idea instead, and and it was uh, you know after talking to him and 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 um, learning about his you know deep insights into business and his uh, attitude about how we could you know potentially collect or um, attract capital to this, we we brought him in. It took a little while. We 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 it was a slow. Um, folding him into the process and convincing him it was a good idea to leave his his well-paying job to start something new uh yeah and so at some point we all uh started something new i had a my machine shop business kept running i i did as little work as i could to keep it running and all of our attention was on how we could how we could launch this company and it took about a year um for us to do that, and so in 2010 we we decided, okay, we're we're actually doing this. We we founded, you know, incorporated the company and started trying to collect some friends and family money first, and then a seed round. We raised about between the two, uh, maybe 150 in friends and family, and then 750 in seed money. That that got us to a prototype. We built we built a prototype. And and we did do all of these things. We we built a, a brand new battery pack, BMS, a, a brand new motor design, and a new inverter, and a new chassis. Whoa! Yeah. Um, Whoa! And, and a writing <laughs> prototype, and a writing prototype that that worked well enough that that we convinced people with that to 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 fund the company, and that's what we that's what we built our Series A around. And um, from there, we raised. I think our Series A was twelve or fourteen million. Um, yeah, that got us started. It allowed us to start attracting um, the the right kind of talent to to the team, and and that that's always hard. It's always hard to 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 bring people in. You can't quite. That's not really a lot of money, really, for a transportation startup. Uh, so people were coming in at reduced pay, um, and they were coming in because they were really excited about the opportunity, the space excited about motorcycles so we got a lot of in motorcycle enthusiasts and a lot of ex-Tesla folks uh, jump ship from Tesla uh, and came into this effort and yep. um, from 20 from that series A to 2016 it took us two years to, to commercialize that so tool everything up 
validate it, uh, build a line, uh, and start building motorcycles. Uh, we had a really slow start. It was it was it's really hard. It's really hard to to get a supply chain humming, to 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 get quality, uh, uh, to have enough resources to do this. It was it was incredibly hard, and we worked crazy hours and the, and the team, you know, put their hearts into it. And it was easy because the, the story was really clear. We, we, you know, in the end, the story wasn't build electric, an electric motorcycle. And it never had been. It was to build a better motorcycle, a motorcycle that, that was, you know, in almost every way better than, than the equivalent gas bike. Quiet, easier to ride, faster, you know, quicker around a course, more fun to go trail riding on. Um, we talked about giving giving riders superpowers. Yes. <laughs> yep. No. No. I mean, it's 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 it's. it's uh, I've never ridden an. Oh no, no, that's not true. I have ridden an electric motorbike. I rode the Ubco. Um, yep. Which is the New Zealand uh, mm-hmm. two by two. So it's got a front and a rear motor. Yep. Um, and it's a farm utility bike, and they it was it was like compared to the other motorbikes that I've ridden, just really light. Everything was kind of, yeah, it's quick, picks up really quickly. Does, yeah, it's, very, it's a really nice experience. Awesome. <laughs> nice. So how big did the team end up getting when you, by the time you were in production, 2016? Uh, I think we were about 50 people uh, in yeah. 2016. We were building a dealer network. So, we, you know, it wasn't all engineers at that point. We, were, we, were, we had admins, sales, service technicians, and we were expanding in the U.S. initially only, building a dealer network. Uh, our business model was to sell directly uh, through dealers, um, which which meant that that our um, our manufacturing costs, you know, had to be low enough so that they could also make a margin on the vehicle. It was, it was and and that was always one of our biggest challenges, right? How how can we, you know, start from nothing and have enough margin to, to sustain the kinds of engineering and operations teams that it takes to actually be a, a transportation company. And, um, and that grew. By the time we shut down, we had, uh, I think, 105, 108 people, 50 engineers, um, huge demand for the product, yeah, um, and and really just pushing as hard as we could to, to to meet the demand for the product. Nice. So, twenty sixteen, and then um, you went into production, uh, and what happened in in the following two years? <laughs> we uh, we introduced new models. So the the initial yeah. the initial bike we we came out with was called the Redshift MX. Um, if you look online, the pictures, it's the yellow bike. Uh, yep. It had a it had a it had a good reception. It had a few shortcomings that that were that really bugged us it the battery would uh, would uh overheat in in certain hard racing conditions power wasn't quite as good as we as we wanted to wanted it to be so in um 2017 we decided to um, double down we redesigned the battery pack we changed about 10 percent of the parts on the bike uh introduced a new cell into the pack um, pump the horsepower up from 40 horsepower uh, to 50 horsepower, um, and made a bike that had a higher continuous duty. So it would it could it could be on these race circuits and not not overheat a battery. And and that's when we also did some other things, upgraded suspension, you know, lot fixed lots of little small things. 
And at, and at that moment is really when, when Alta arrived, and that was the 2018 model uh, MXR, which we introduced in late 2017. Um, at the press event for that, we let journalists go out and, and ride laps on a motocross track, and, and they were all really surprised. They were, they were kind of blown mm. away. Uh, we, we would frequently get responses from professional riders and journalists that this bike was easier to ride fast than any bike they'd ever been on and, and that it was sort of a game changer. And, and, and from there, we were building the business. That's, that, was, that excitement really kick-started all of our sales growth. Uh, we also introduced street legal versions of the bike and enduro which is yeah because i remember when it came out that it was it was dirt first right it was it wasn't on road yeah yeah yeah. and we always had a vision to to sell a small street bike um maybe you know something that didn't look anything like a dirt bike or a small scale say 500 cc equivalent street bike that was always in our roadmap and part of our plans for for alta um but it was it was hard right getting getting one product in market was tough the next variant was hard. Then one after that was also hard, and these things they, they took you know they always took more effort and took longer than anybody ever thought they would. So so you got to 2017, you released the new 2018 model, and then and then what was the next year like? What what happened? Uh, so the next year was us uh, scrambling to support the the demand and and to grow our manufacturing capacity. So we we had a, a lithium ion battery pack line. So we were. Yep. Uh, integrating cells into a pack, we were wire bonding uh, to the to the to the cell, building our own BMS, our own packs, and we you know, we did some really innovative things at Alta in battery packs. So we were the first com- company to commercialize a single sided uh, electrical connection to a to a lithium ion cell, to our knowledge. So uh, we were wire bonding to the crimp and the cap of the cell. Uh, this okay. this is now part of Tesla's roadmap they they do that now yes. but they we started doing that in 2012 they introduced it with the model 3 uh, we also wow. okay. we also innovated in the way that we cooled the cell so we extracted heat from the bottom of the cell we we did some experiments and discovered that heat transfers um uh, sort of along the axis uh better than it does through the axis Mm-hmm. And and through that uh, discovery, we we had we had we optimized a, a cooling system, and also we actually used vapor chambers to 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 pull the heat out of the cell. And Tesla is actually doing that now. The, the, that last battery announcement. Uh, yeah, I was also, just going to say that that sounds yeah. like what they just announced with the new um, they kept better or the, yeah. the capless batteries. Yeah, um, fascinating. Yeah. So so what was the price point that you were hitting? at that stage with the bikes that you had launched with? Yeah, there was a lot of learning on, on price too. So so when we when we initially launched, we were at 15K for the motorcycle and a yeah. comparable bike from say KTM was about $10,000. So we had a, yeah. we had a 50% premium, it's kind of huge, right? And, and so we really only attracted early adopters with that. Uh, for uh, 2018, we, we changed the optics on that significantly. We we introduced a, a low price bike at, at ten thousand um, dollars. The MXR at uh, I think it was twelve nine nine nine, and we we made the charger separate. So we had two different chargers. That was part of the optics, 
and and that yep. had this huge effect. Um, people, you know, people now now it looked like a thirty percent premium, and, and and actually the KTM's had gone up, so it was more like a twenty five percent premium, and and that was um, you know that felt okay to the market and you know these things are i I don't even know what what drives them they're not really based they're based on the value people can extract from these things but they're they're hard to predict what yeah what's the right price and who were you finding with the people who were purchasing these bikes because obviously there would have been people who were definitely in the track bike or kind of dirt bike category it's not going to be people who were like i've never done this before i'm going to come and buy an electric motorbike just for the sake of buying an electric motorbike there there were a few of those um but not really but not very many yeah we we weren't we weren't i mean zero's zero's famous for attracting new riders um our our bike was very much a performance motorcycle i mean it's kind of an it's an it's it's a it's a really fast somewhat unruly motorcycle it'll you know ride wheelies up to you know 45 50 miles an hour um yeah and and it's not it's not you know it's not necessarily something a beginner would be attracted to though through the magic of mapping and software you can you can make it into a tame motorcycle and 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 the bike came equipped with selectable maps that the one map was very tame and you could you could teach somebody to ride on it which was which was always such a crazy dichotomy right you you teach somebody to ride on it and in in the equivalent gas bike you would you you just couldn't fathom putting a new rider on because they're they're just so you know fast right a 450 cc gas race bike um so the we were attracting mostly people in their 30s to 50s that that had more disposable income than than average yeah yes yeah yeah fascinating um and so um and then, and then, uh, as you say, you were kind of coping with demand, uh, but by December 2018, Ulta was no more. So, what happened in that intervening period? So, so we we were we were we were struggling um, with with a with a scale problem to 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 get our margins up. We needed more volume, and and we saw a clear path to to lower in our costs. But it was it was difficult to find a clear path to increasing our volume to the levels that we needed. So in 2017, we started talking to uh, Harley Davidson, and we entered into a partnership with Harley Davidson to co-develop a new motorcycle. And so that that program was going along very well. It it it, it was. Uh, reducing our costs because we were sharing the costs of developing the new motorcycle. Uh, at the same time, Alta was not at a point where it could sustain itself through its through its own sales. So, so we required an, uh, an additional capital raise. That that capital raise was actually going very well. We had a uh, soft circle of yeses that exceeded our our needs. We had um, a valuation that was that we thought was um, was very good, and and all that was going very well, but the the Harley Davidson signaled that they would buy us, or they would be interested to buy us. They also signaled um, a price um, that the board found very attractive. So uh, we we. We started talking to them about this purchase, and we stopped talking to our investors about a capital raise. Hmm. And in the end, um, we ran out of money and didn't have a deal with Harley Davidson that was acceptable. They they gave us a 
an unacceptable offer for the company. They, wow. they, they lowballed us. And hmm. so, so at that point, Alta was in a, in a really tough spot uh, where we needed to raise money ca- really quickly. Um, we didn't want to lay team off. And, you know, in the end, you know, the, the company went into an ABC process and, and, you know, was, everybody was laid off and, um, the technology ended up going, um, uh, to BRP, a Canadian company. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, I'm really sorry to hear that. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's a brutal, that's a brutal outcome. It's a, it's yeah. a brutal outcome. Yeah. 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 And, and back to the, you know, the market entry strategy of Alta, this, this dirt bike space, great, a great way for us to build a brand performance motorcycle. We really, we really resonated with the core of, of the motorcycle world. Terrible fundraising strategy, just terrible. The, the, the typical VC, um, uh, didn't, you know, didn't know dirt bikes, didn't like dirt bikes, uh, clean tech funds, you know, viewed it as antagonistic, right out there making noise in the forest, uh, even if it was a, a, a clean, quiet vehicle. And so, um, um, you know, Damon, on the other hand, is, is, uh, is really resonating with, with, with that. Big totally. Crowd. And we'll get yeah. there in a second, yeah. but, I, but, but I, but I do want to, so a couple of things. One yeah. is, um, you went with a dealer strategy and, and Tesla is kind of famous for not having gone with a dealer strategy. And yeah. I'm just curious what the thought process was for you around that. Um, and, and, and then, um, yeah, yeah. Just when you were, when you were looking at how do you get to market, what was the, what was the thought pattern there? Yeah. Do you it, think that's changed as well? Yes, it has. And, and Damon has taken a different tack than Alta did. Uh, the, yeah. at, at the time we, we thought it was, it was the only, the only choice because the capital requirements for doing anything different were, were just so much larger. It, it really takes as much capital to build your own dealer network or your own showrooms or your own direct-to-consumer sales network as it does to, to build the, the company. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. And so why, I mean, if you can just reflect on like Tesla doing what they did, do you think that that's been material in their success? Absolutely. You think about the the, the strength of controlling the brand message, uh, the uh, the consistency of the of the retail cost of the cars. Right? There's no dis there's no discounts. There's no haggling. That whole sales process is really streamlined and really simple. And so they 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 they. I mean, we all. I I, I don't know if you've had the experience of buying an automobile in the United States. But it's a no. <laughs> it's it's a it's a it's a horrible process, right? It, it's just filled with, um, you know, this runaround and this this manipulative um, uh, thing that is just awful. And you know, the same thing exists in the motorcycle dealership world. You know, maybe to a lesser extent because it's more of an enthusiast based uh, business, right? The motorcycle shops are kind of clubhouses. Um, it, mm. it, it also we 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 use that dealer network to to help build our brand and give us credibility as a new company with this new technology. I don't think that's necessary now. Tesla Tesla has has broken down barriers for electric. You know, not just in the car world, but over really a whole bunch of other categories because they've proven that not only is it a better mode of transportation, it's a better 
automobile to better motorcycle, whatever. Um, but it, it's also, you know, it's more futuristic. It's it's sort of a you know you you get you get more value as a consumer driving that than you do at any other brand. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Cool. Well, look. So so. Um, I think I don't have any specific more questions on Alter, but I'm sure we'll come up with other things as we go along. Um, where did uh, so, so so once you left Alter, as far as I understood, you went on and you spent some time at Boosted. Can you talk through that? Yeah. Um, so uh, it was it was pretty pretty rough emotionally that that whole process of uh, of, of Alta shutting down, and um, I, I spent a lot of time on my bicycle on Mount Tam and 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 contemplating what that last ten years was was and meant and what what the future would be like. And and in, during that process, I you know somehow was in touch with with John uh, at Boosted, and uh, and he said, hey, you you really should just come down and see what we're doing, and we just closed some funding, and you know things are exciting down here, and and I said, sure, you know, excuse to get out of the house and you know talk to talk to people, and so I did it, yep. and and it was uh, I I loved it. They had they had um, they had a really great. Uh, crew they had they had interesting things that they were working on this was this was in um, um, the 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 scooter the the one the the it's, it's i'm not i'm not thinking of the name it's the um the rev, rev. rev. Yeah. the rev yeah. is um yeah right and so it's when rev was it's funny because there's a another product with that name and it's just i was like is that really it uh so the yeah. rev the rev was in evt so they were they were just you know having samples in and and i wrote evt means um engineering validation test so it's it's kind of okay. the early yeah. early first samples coming in that that you know are, are missing some of the functionality but you're you're able to sort of evaluate things and, and fix the problems that, that are that you're seeing. So I, I rode that and I was like, gosh, you guys have some something really fun going on here. Um yeah. and, and so we, we just started talking a little bit and and he said, you know, we really are interested in in a sort of this two wheeler, you know, larger vehicle space. You know, maybe it's class two e bike, maybe it's uh, a motorcycle. You know, would you yep. be interested would you be interested in joining Boosted and helping? And I said Gee, I, I don't think I'm ready to join a company right now, but uh, that sounds really fun, and I would be willing to give you, a, you know, a couple days a week. And so, yep. so I started working there two, three days a week. I, I drive down to Mountain View, and we built a little team, and we built some prototypes, and explored the regulatory landscape and the business landscape, and 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 started to think about you know this new product and it was it was gaining momentum and getting excited um and and that was all happening about the same time that it you know i i, I think what was happening was the 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 sales of the rev were were not meeting expectation right and so a lot a lot had been in, invested in in the product and in inventory and and this is the part of of any of these startup companies and even you know even companies that are around five six years that is you know that is that's really tough you're 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 typically um having a hard time getting any kind of debt financing so your 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 expand your your expansion is funded by equity and you you only have so much of that and so you end up spending it on inventory 
And if you want to to grow, you've got to you've got to buy that quite a bit in advance. Um, sometimes yeah. you're paying for it three months in advance, maybe more. And so you tie up a lot of capital and inventory. And if if you don't if you don't move that that product fast enough, you you know you run out of money. And I don't you know I I wasn't in leadership at, at Boosted. I don't really know the details of of you know all of that. I just I know that that when it came time to raise new capital, that that you know it didn't happen, and in the end, uh, the the company was shut down. And, and eventually the assets were sold off. Um, and yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was, I, as long time listeners of the podcast will know, I have a boosted rev. I think that's the best. I mean, it is the single best purchase I've made in the last two years. It is a, a fantastic vehicle. And what, and what, what, part about, what part about it do you like the most? I mean, it's the, it's the fact that it's, a, it's got grunt. And it's built with automotive quality. So I live in a hilly area. It gets me up and down all the hills. Um, and it feels really solid and stable. So you've got big wide wheels. It's they're rubber wheels. Um, it's powerful enough both on its uh, regen brakes and then with standard brakes and then with a backup brake. You just, you feel, you know, you go back and you, like I've ridden rental scooters and stuff like that. And it's just you just it's just a whole nother world it's like literally shifting from you know the ford model t into a kind of a standard modern car that we'd have today yeah in terms of just quality um and that's the part that's you know and i'm but I, you know i get it i also you know it's a it sits weirdly because it's a 1500 watt so it's technically outside of the regulatory regime of of where i live and also it's really heavy and and it's kind of too big for yeah. a lot of consumers. I'm a big guy. I can I can I can make it work. But for others, I can imagine they'd look at it and just say that's not going to work for me. Yeah, there's another there's another little part of the story there that Alta suffered from to some extent, and I suspect that that Busta suffered from, and that is that as you're as you're as you're starting a new company like this, it's really easy to accrue technical debt. So to to have taken some expedient shortcuts in the process, so maybe you don't have you know the most optimized economical solution in your in your supply chain in your components, and then as the company grows, you're you're not you're not always motivated to fix that. You're, you have a certain amount of of equity capital that you've raised that you need to invest in new things to sustain more growth, and you and you and you sort of put off fixing some of those things. And so Alta suffered from, you know, margins that were lower than we than we anticipated because mm-hmm. we had we had, you know, a few problem suppliers, a few problem components, stuff that was just, you know, had lower yield than than anticipated and was driving higher costs. And and I saw evidence of, of that it boosted as well, right? So some of their cost structures were 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 higher than I would have expected, and and that's just that's just using up, you know, capital faster than than you could be. Yeah. Do you think that the? I mean, obviously, hardware companies exist in the sense that you know that we have managed to solve this in the past. You know, we have car manufacturers and we have other things um, that have managed to make vehicles that are around and long and reliable, and um, you know that they. That, that they also make money on. Um, in the micromobility space, especially in the sort of electric motor motor space and all kind of heavier micromobility space, the only other 
group that I can think of that might be comparable would be like Zero or Akimoto. And Akimoto have obviously been around for 10 years and they're only just now reaching production. And they're, you know, just, there's, a, there's still a long journey for them to be able to get to something that's really profitable. Um, but is this, you know, do you think that this is just one of these we're just going to collectively learn? And so, for example, like the next time that you start a company, it's just going to be, you'll just be able to do it a lot more efficiently if, if that's the case. Or you, next time you design a product, you're just going to be able to do it a lot more efficiently. And at the same time, you've got a kind of a more developed supply chain for everything else. Yeah, I mean, there, there's, there, there is a, uh, a cultural or, a, or a, a, a sort of global learning going on right now. When, when we started Alta, it was really hard to find people that were expert in all the all the all the verticals, right? To find somebody who had experience, you know, writing motor control code and BMS code, they, they were rare birds, uh, and now they're less rare, right? You can you can you can hire that talent a little easier. You can you can you can get through that phase of development a little faster, a little more predictably, um, but. You're right. There's there 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 seems to be some gap between the the sort of time it takes to commercialize this hardware in 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 this in this startup environment and and in, and then and then compared to the traditional say automotive or or big tier one automotive space right the Bosch's of the world and and it's and it's 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 partly maturity it's of the, these companies they they don't you know it's hard to build all of the um, internal knowledge and systems to do automotive level vehicle engineering and validation and and you know it, it really is a process it's it's a rote process right there's there's you know there's the big gm manual and the big toyota manual on how you build stuff right and it's it it's typically a five-year process <laughs> To, to make a car and that's not yep. an option in a startup world so so when when we take these things on in the startup world um we're we're focused on um first and foremost safety so we, we can't we can't build a product that will harm someone and so we have to validate the safety systems and put the most effort into that and then you know all of the other things sort of come behind that and and usually you take um you know more chances on um, you know, say fit and finish or, or other, you know, things that are just less, um, uh, safety critical than, than, than some of the big companies would, right. You spend fewer years in, in validating and proving that something is perfect before you bring it to market. Um, yeah. you know, that said, um, Alta, you know, I was very proud of everything that we shipped at Alta, uh, and and I think it's possible to do this faster than the traditional companies do it, right? They're they're very big and bureaucratic and slow moving, and uh, and I think there's a there's a there's a middle ground. There's kind of a more right sized thing for for uh, these smaller vehicles than than the big car world. Yeah, I mean, I was actually going to come back to the the so ultra you know, the offer that came through from Harley, do you think that would have accelerated any of their development if they'd ended up buying you? Um, well, I, I know that they, um, or I've heard through the grapevine that they continued with that development. So they, they will come out with that motorcycle that, that uh, we were we were working on together. Um, mm. So uh, whether or not it, 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 it had nothing to do with Livewire, right? Livewire was, was yeah. already very baked at, at the point that we were doing that. I, I imagine that uh, a lot of the thinking 
and approach that Alta took, and even some of the team ended up at Harley, um, uh, Harley has, has benefited from. I imagine that. I hope that's true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those interesting ones where the incumbents in the, in the, um, in the traditional, you know, the car industry have, 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 you know, the, the, because of the way that the production systems have been developed, they have really struggled to make that transition across to electric. And as is, as is kind of obvious, where you look at something like Tesla, Tesla kind of managed to, you know, bulldoze their way through. Um, but it's it's kind of traditional disruptive theory, right? There are the incumbents, and they've struggled to be able to adapt to the new to the new players. It looks to me a little bit like Harley, obviously trying to buy you as the new as the new startup who's working on this stuff. Yeah. But are, but are slowly adapting themselves, and you know, I see their e-bike efforts and things like that, and certainly from. It, yeah, it's just an interesting one to note about how that how that industry is absorbing the new technology and wonder, and wondering whether or not it's perhaps a little bit easier to develop electric motorbikes and shift off traditional production structures and. Yeah, so I, I don't think any of these the the big um, incumbent OEMs are, are making this transition in a very fluid way. Uh, Harley's still uh losing market share reducing their their sales volume and their 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 churn every year we see that we see these efforts where they're where they're you know introducing these new products but the the harley davidson brand you know which is arguably one of the most valuable brands in the world as a single brand um is doesn't feel so elastic that it can be you know easy rider on one hand and sort of, you know, clean transportation on the other, right? There's so many, so many aspects of that brand that, that, um, don't, don't, don't match up with that vision. Hmm. Hmm. Yep. That's fascinating. Uh, I agree. Uh, I, I agree. And yet at the same time, I'm also kind of excited to see some of the vehicle, the, 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 things that they've come out with I've, the, I've been watching the long way up which is the the documentary with you and and they take it you and mcgregor and his friend and they're going uh in electric harleys uh from patagonia up to, to it's a la terrible application of electric drive by the way yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is it's sort of like oh you can only go uh, like 80 miles in a day i mean this is not why you'd want to use electric that's yeah. not how it works but yeah. yeah 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 i hear you um cool um so so, uh, so you're boosted. Thank you, thank you for for, for, for that background because I, I think it's one of those, as you say, the technical debt um, aspect and just just how how this um, how hard it is to develop in this space um, is something that I don't think we've talked about a heap. I think we've we've kind of in some part Horace and I have as we've talked about this have noted that there is a lot of creative destruction and yet at the same time I think it's been one of those we have been slightly surprised to see how slow development had been in the hardware space and and hearing these and just going you know i can imagine investors looking at this and just going whoo yeah i mean the history is littered with um you know lots of carcasses at this point yeah uh which brings us to now which uh, which which there's there's really been a turning point in the last year in the appetite of investors for these these types of investments and we saw the beginnings of that with the investments in the share space that that you know this this transportation problem they the, the investor could finally see through the old models into into new models and and that there would be a, this huge opportunity and this this sort of transportation transformation of transportation within cities and and 
And now we're seeing um, a lot of uh, investment head towards um, electric electrification projects, right? So um, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, you know, Lordstown SPAC, uh, Nikola SPAC, uh, Rivian's, um, I don't know, four billion plus um, private equity that's gone into that. Um, yeah. And and you know this these this wasn't the case when we started Alta, right? There there was there was nothing of that scale happening anywhere. Uh, so I, I think I think I, I feel I feel there's a change. Yeah, excellent. And then and, and so take me through Damon because I hadn't heard of Damon. Um, and and just yeah, I'm. <laughs> I went and looked at your website and it's pretty amazing the sort of tech that you've managed to pack into a bike. So talk us through what that vehicle looks like and then this, and then maybe we can go back to the story of how it came to be. Yeah. So. Um I, I want to first say why I'm at Damon because I think that's yeah, yeah, I sure. think I think that's it's it's the why people buy Damon's they're they're kind of the same thing and and it's that that motorcycling you know really any two wheel transportation is is a is a higher risk than than a lot of other modes right it's a higher risk than riding a car or a subway to hop on a two wheeler and and ride around and that that risk is. You know, it's 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 come up in my life. I've had I've had injuries myself. I've had friends injured, and and it's, um, you know, I I I I don't ride so much on the street now. I have a family, and it and it and I feel that the risk is is exceeds my comfort level in in a lot of cases. And Damon Damon has a a focus on reducing that risk through this rider awareness copilot system and a vision. For that to to um, increase in capabilities up to the point of, of semi-autonomous intervention, and and with the end goal of, of dramatically reducing uh, death and injury in motorcycles accidents, and and you can really think of it as two-wheeler accidents because the, the technology is extensible into really anything that's on the roadway like that, and we have we have these things in cars now, and they've become somewhat ubiquitous to have an ADAS system in a car, right? Emer- yep. Automatic emergency braking in your car. Um, but but nobody's done it in motorcycle. And so Dom Kwong and uh, Jay Girard, who are the founders of Damon, they started by developing this, this co-pilot safety system, this rider awareness system. So it's radars and cameras on the motorcycle coupled with a uh, pretty sophisticated um, um, automation that, that then signals the rider both haptically and visually of, of threats. And it can track up to 60 threats simultaneously. It plots the trajectories of these threats so that you're not getting false positives. It's giving you blind spot warnings. It's giving you front collision warnings, rear collision warnings, and it's and it's giving you reaction time. Um, when you look at the the statistics around motorcycle accidents, um, uh, clearly forty percent of motorcycle accidents happen with no intervention from the rider. The rider just crashes, and it's because they don't have enough time to react to what's going on around them, mm-hmm. and and they're not aware, and so. Um, so the first uh, generation of the system is giving you an extra second or two to react to to these threats and, and avoid the accident. So, so these guys developed a system and 
talked to, you know, they wanted to talk to me about building electric motorcycles and incorporating this. And that plus direct to consumer sales, you know, fixed so many of the, of the problems that, that Alta had in my mind and, 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 and targeting a, a traditional street bike, which has a, a much larger TAM than the, than the dirt bike, it, it was a no brainer. So we, we got to work on that and um and it's it's a it's a really great product with a tremendous potential yeah so t- talk me through the um the the actual vehicle specs because yep. that's the part that blew me away <laughs> yeah well so um just like alta we're in the we're in that territory of <clears throat> of building a better motorcycle the 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 market entry point is the pinnacle of premium high performance motorcycle the the super bike the Damon's first product is called the the hyper bike, right? It's the hyper sport, and and it's a two hundred horsepower, uh, two hundred mile an hour, three hundred and twenty five mile uh, kilometer per hour top speed, um, zero to sixty mile an hour in under three second motorcycle, right? So this is a motorcycle that's it's akin to a supercar, uh, very similar performance to say uh, Ducati. Panigale V4, which is you know the 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 top of the Italian um, stable of of similar kind of motorcycles, and and yeah. and for us, it's a it's a way to 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 build that brand uh, to to enter the market in a in a premium segment, so that so that we can scale the company and and still have a chance of of um, making some kind of margin on a motorcycle in the process, and. Um the thing that I thought was really cool was the, your electric shifting between uh, yeah. the different types of riding yeah. styles. Yeah, that's that's a that's a that's another killer feature on the bike. So um, most bikes, or really all motorcycles in this superbike or super sport class, have low handlebars, and the, and the handlebars are, are are really clamped to the sides of the fork, and they allow the rider to ride to to be in a much more aerodynamic position. And as you can imagine, on a on a on a car or a motorcycle, uh, 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 aerodynamic drag increases squared to speed. So, at you know, forty miles an hour or so, it is the dominant um, use of of your energy. At a, at a hundred miles an hour, it's ninety five percent, or up to ninety five percent of the of the of the use of the energy of the vehicle, and so. So even on the gas-powered bikes, which have an abundance of, of uh, energy on board in the form of the gasoline, it still matters. And so they can eke out you know, higher speeds by being aerodynamic, but it's, 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 it's really uncomfortable. And so you, 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 when you have a bike like that, it, you don't end up riding it very far or very long because it's uncomfortable. It's not suited for urban environments because you're... You're you're down lower and you can't see quite as much, um, and so um, Damon had the idea to to make a uh, uh, transforming foot pegs and handlebars that allowed the rider to now uh, transition um, in in that urban setting or that slower speed setting to a more upright position, comfortable, more straight back, um, you know, less neck creak, and uh, and and you know, frankly, safer in the, in the urban world, you know, back mm-hmm. to that safety thing. 
Because I'd never seen that. I mean, I don't know motorbikes that well, but I'd never seen that available on yeah. any other bike. No, nobody's done and it before. Yeah. Yeah, and is it? I mean, is it? Is it specifically um, enabled because of the electric architecture? I mean, is no. That, is that no? Yeah. Okay. It, it's it's just a it's a new feature that hasn't been you know been commercialized before. So yeah fascinating yeah um and talk, so so with the company that's been formed so they're based in canada um what's the funding how has the funding worked for them and has there been any lessons there about how you funded it versus what has happened in the past with other <laughs> yeah other so uh, talking about? It, yeah it's all it's all been privately funded i think there's been about six million uh, canadian raised to date the um, we're 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 fundraising right now, so we're raising uh, a fifty million dollar uh, Series A fund right now. We're in conversations with a lot of different parties. There's a there's a there's a good appetite for it right now. We yep. feel um, uh, we feel very optimistic um, that we're getting get to pick between these these funders. Contrast that with when we when we opened our Series A round in march <laughs> yes right good time good time to be trying to do this <laughs> and, and and we would send off um we'd send off our you know our teaser deck and our emails to to the you know to to valley vcs and they wouldn't even open the emails right because everybody was was trying to imagine how this was going to affect their their existing investments and they couldn't even think about anything new that's that's all changed now so um, fortunately, um, you know, people are, are returning our calls and, and we're, we're very much engaged in, in, in great conversations around fundraising. Yeah. Excellent. And at the, the, um, in terms of, as you say, so you've got 6 million, that, that 6 million Canadian that's got you, where, how, how far, how far has that got you relative to where you'd been talking about it before in terms of how long it's taken a technical debt and, 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 um, the challenges of being able to find the right personnel, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're in commercialization. So we're, we're in, um, we're in the, the design, the heavy design for commercialization phase. Uh, we're approaching um, the validation of those of those products, right? The the test of uh, of a of a looks like works like production motorcycle, and then and then the next phase is is the the tooling of that, and then the the you know the final production validation. Yeah, excellent. So time frame for for launch for something like this, uh, given given um, say for example you're able to close this race by the sounds of things, it looks like you'll be able to. Um, what's the sort of time frame that we can expect for for being able to get to a? I mean, I know they think these things are always hard to predict, but you know, you have a little bit more experience these times. Yeah, yeah. For this round. Yeah, we're we're uh, we're looking at um, first uh, very first customer delivery at the at the very end of twenty one. Okay, excellent. Yeah. Um, and and f- f- with the with with the kind of electric motorbike space. Um, you, you kind of indicated that you thought the incumbents aren't going to necessarily be able to easily make the transition across to electric. Um, is, the, is, the, is, the, is your thought about how this market is going to develop that a company like Damon will, abandon, you know, you start out premium kind of almost like the Tesla Roadster and then you kind of going to work further down the, down the chain and that you'll eventually be able to have kind of standard vehicles um, that you could release. Is that the is that the thinking in terms of how the market is going to develop? That it'll be it'll be won by players like yourselves. Um, we think so. Uh, that's that's 
you know that's what we're that's what we're betting on. That's what we're putting our energies into. Um, we we've done a we've done something new um, uh, in in that regard. And so, if you if you were to take and strip away the wheels and the bodywork and the and the suspension from a motorcycle, you'd be left with this. Uh, we'll call it a core of a motorcycle. So so at Damon, we envisioned. Um, you know, 15 motorcycles based on a common core. And so we've engineered that common core to, to accommodate these different geometries of a motorcycle, right? Maybe a different steering head angle, a different stance for a different use, a different stability at, at different speeds, uh, maybe longer suspension travel for, for a different category like an adventure bike, so, so we're we're not just focused on this entry point with one product. We have we have engineered the core of multiple motorcycles. So we will be transitioning to new products with very little uh, additional investment, right? So it so so when we you know we've got a roadmap that's got six or seven new products in it currently. Each one of those iterations takes a fraction of what a new vehicle program takes. To, mm. for us to introduce. And so that's, that's, that's me solving another one of Alta's problems, which was how do you reach a large enough TAM with you know, your, your initial investment? Because you've got to invest so much in battery technology, motor technology, inverter technology, supply chain, chassis, all of this stuff to bring a product to market. If you can, if you can now extend that to, to multiple products, multiple niches, still premium, still, you know, robust markets without retooling and having all of that effort and time repeated over and over, you're going to win. That makes a lot of sense. Is that how most other um, vehicle manufacturers, for example, like Harley or these others have done? Well, they they do, but electric's different. Um, Yeah. And so... At, at, a, at a company like, say, Honda, where you, you might have a 1,000cc bike that, that would compete head-to-head with, with Damon's Hypersport, they, for them to make a 400cc bike economically, they, they really tool the whole, every single part up again, right? There, there's no common parts between those two because it's just, it's too big of a gap, right? The motor is smaller, the chassis can be smaller, the wheels can be smaller. So um, at Damon... This, 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 this core architecture, which we're calling hyperdrive, and we're going to do a little press release on that shortly and introduce that concept to the world. It's, um, it's capable of having a reduced pack capacity uh, and also different power levels in the, in the inverter and motor and, and drive system so, so that you really can, can make that full spread between you know, a really small, slower speed, lower you know, specific power to, to really the, the pinnacle of up to the superbike. Mm. Um, and then the, the only other thing that I, I had as a question, and then I'm, I'm aware we probably need to sign off, but, uh, uh, is the, is the power, so the, the, um, the motors, uh, so at the moment you're, as, as I understand it, you've got a, a kind of, you're not using hub motors. It's all, it's all chain driven. Is there an opportunity with electric to try and do things that have never been done on bikes before? For example, like having a two wheel drive s- set up on a, on a, on a bike like that. And what would be the opportunities and, and um, trade-offs in that? There's certainly opportunities to do that. Um, there have been 
quite a few two-wheel drive motorcycles done. They, they, they have some interesting vehicle dynamics, uh, especially off-road. You get, you get a lot more traction. Um, we're not pursuing stuff like that at Damon, but, but it, you know, it's definitely possible. Um, I, I'm personally uh, not a big fan of hub motors. I think that hub motors, um, especially when you get up to, a, to you know, more powerful vehicles, are not really um, great solutions. They they introduce unsprung weight. There's you know they're 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 typically uh, direct drive. They're they're not reduced. And so, if on the Damon motor we have you know ostensibly a, I don't know I can off the top of my head I think it's about a twelve to one gear reduction between oh wow the motor and the rear wheel. A hub motor yeah. you have one to one right. So you have to make twelve times more torque to get the same acceleration. You know, in a motor, torque is is ostensibly a function of of you know diameter and 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 flux density. So you, you need a heavier motor to make more torque. So so hub motors get really big and heavy really fast. And you know, for instance, on your on your boosted rev, a lot of that mass is because it has hub motors. Yeah, and they're very heavy. Yeah, yeah, no, totally, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, but also as well, I can't quite see how you do on a small consumer vehicle like that. I don't see how you yeah. get away from so the motors it, at least at the stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the 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 motor in the Damon Hypersport is about twenty kilograms, uh, producing over two hundred newton meters of torque and one hundred and fifty kilowatts. That is insanity. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> That's crazy. Okay. Well, look, uh, that is brilliant. And, and, and thank you so much, Derek, for your time. I mean, this has been such an interesting uh, conversation on, on my side. Um, if folks wanted to track you down, uh, are you on Twitter at all? Or are you, um, I, if they wanted to kind of learn a bit more about what Damon's doing? No, I'm not on Twitter. Um, you know, certainly uh, Damon is www.damon.com. Uh, we're on social uh, Instagram, Facebook. So look us up there and, and you can get a hold of me through the company. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Hopefully look forward to hopefully having you on in the future when we can talk about, uh, the other product developments that, uh, Damon bringing out. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs>